Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, the show where we will explore the endless possibilities of personal growth and self-improvement. Your host, John Perry, will guide you on a journey towards becoming the best version of yourself. Each week, he will do a deep dive into strategies, insights, and stories of remarkable individuals who have overcome obstacles and achieved greatness in their lives. Together, you and John will explore practical tips, actual advice, and inspiring ideas that can empower you to make positive change in your life. He will cover a wide range of topics, including productivity, mindset training, goal setting, health, and much more. So if you're ready to challenge yourself, break through barriers, and never settle for mediocrity, then you're in the right place. Get ready to ignite your inner drive and join John on his quest to help you never stop getting better. All right, welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast. I'm your host, John Perry, and I am with the original coffee bean, the OG of coffee beans, the man that um, is trying to spread the coffee bean message around the world. And I'm excited to have Damon West on. Damon, it's awesome to be here. It's awesome to see you. Um, I appreciate you being on. You're my first guest ever. So I'm excited about that. What I would like for you to do is anybody that follows me, I'm sure knows who you are, but let's just say there's somebody out there that don't. Give me the five-minute resume, background, autobiography of Damon West. Yeah, so, you know, John, first of all, man, I got to tell you how excited I am to be your first guest. I mean, I, I was honored. Uh, you sent me the text the other day and said, well, you'd be my first. And I'm like, man, I got to open this up and see what he's talking about. His first what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I was excited about that because, I mean, dude, I, I look, I admire you, man. I look up to you. You, you and I connected – years ago probably five six years ago and not a lot of people knew who i was back then and not everybody was was bringing me in but you know you brought me into to pearl mississippi i'll never forget man we went i went into pearl and and uh we became friends for life after that trip and uh you know i, I don't take that lightly brother you know you shared with me your time and when you did that, man, you gave me the most valuable thing that you could give a person that time, man, because time's the, the most precious resource you have. Once it, once that stuff is gone, John, it's gone for good. And all the money in the world won't buy one more second of time. And I'm going to tell you where I learned a lot about that lesson. I learned a lot about time when I was serving some time, some serious time. I was serving a life sentence in Texas for a bunch of crimes I committed. I was a meth addict breaking into people's houses in Dallas. And uh, the, the burglaries went on for about three years from 2005 to 2008. But in the summer of 2008, a Dallas SWAT team took me down. When I say they took me down, they didn't just arrest me that day. That SWAT team rescued me that day, John. They pulled me out of a situation I couldn't get myself out. I tell people all the time, my angels in life, they didn't come with wings. They came with assault rifles and shields and helmets. They, they busted down the window. They broke down my door. And uh, they brought me to a trial in Dallas where I had to be held accountable for the things I did wrong. And, you know, and I was a bad guy. I didn't ever physically hurt anybody in the commission of the crimes, but I did break into people's homes. And when you break into someone's homes, when I use an I statement, when I broke into people's homes, I didn't just steal their property. John, I stole their sense of security. And I, I don't know if they get that back. But the jury, after a week-long trial, sentenced me to 65 years, which is a life sentence in the state of Texas. And uh, right after the trial was over, my mom and my dad had one last visit with me. My mom gives me this ultimatum that I've got to come back as the man they raised or don't come back to them at all. 
And there's a period of about two months where I'm waiting to go to prison and I'm in the Dallas County jail and I run into this old convict in there, this old black guy named Mr. Jackson. And Mr. Jackson has been in and out of prison his entire life. But the guy was full of all kinds of knowledge. He shared with me stuff I would need to know to go on this journey, stuff like the importance of understanding battles in life. He said, you don't have to win all your fights, but you do have to fight all your fights. You know, some days you're going to win and some days you're going to lose. And it's okay to lose as long as you fight. Just get back up and keep fighting. He talked to me about fear and danger, the difference between the two, because he said fear isn't real. He said danger is real. Fear is not real. Fear is an emotion you get. It's a feeling you get in the situation you're in. It's like any other emotion or feeling you get. That's not a real thing. Danger is a real thing. You have to respect danger, but you have to also under, understand the difference between the two to navigate both. But he shared with me probably the most important message I've ever received in life from a human being, we'll say outside of religion, uh, this message of the coffee bean. Because he told me to imagine prison as a pot of boiling water. And he said, anything we put into the pot of boiling water will be changed by the heat and the pressure inside the pot. And he said, you have three choices of how you, you're going to respond to your pot of boiling water that we call prison. He said, you can be like a carrot in the pot of boiling water. Now, a carrot goes in hard, John, and it, you know, hard and firm. And that carrot's tough when you th first throw it in. But after a little while in the boiling water, it becomes soft, mushy, and weak. And he said that happens to people in life. People become soft because of life circumstances. He said you can become like an egg in the same pot of boiling water we call prison. You know, the egg goes in with that hard outer shell, the soft liquid inside. But after a while in the boiling water, the inside of the egg becomes hardened. He said this means your heart becomes hardened when you become an egg. And he said an egg does not come back as someone their parents recognize. But he told me, he said, you have a third choice. We all have this amazing third choice in life to be a coffee bean. Because the coffee bean, he said, changes the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. In fact, he said the coffee bean was the only thing that could change the water because it is the change agent. And the last thing he, he told me, and, and it was the summer of 2009, before the prison bus comes to pick me up, he said, West, be a coffee bean. And John, I remember where I was. I remember my mindset, especially where I was when I heard the message of the coffee bean, because I thought to myself, I can understand that. And, and it's the same thing that I see in the eyes of people, whether they're five years old or 95 years old, when they hear the story of the coffee bean for the first time, because you can wrap your brain around that. Like, hey, I truly have three choices of how I'm going to do this thing called life. And um, make no mistake, prison was hard. This is the biggest pot of boiling water I've ever been in. A maximum security level five prison, the highest security level there is. Worst part of prison where the lifers go. A lot of battles. Not just battles physically, but battles emotionally and spiritually, too. But I used that coffee bean message in a program recovery. I got into recovery in prison to deal with my addiction. I used the coffee bean message to program recovery and, and strength and faith in Christ to become that coffee bean inside that prison. And after seven years and three months in a maximum security prison, the parole board came to see me in 2015. Uh, they wanted to talk about the transformation that I made, not only to myself, but to the entire prison around me. And that's when they gave me my chance at parole. They paroled me out with the instruction to go find more coffee beans, but now in the free world, not inside the prison. And since 2015, I've been on that mission, John. I've been out there trying to spread the coffee bean message. And, you know, when I got out at first, it wasn't easy. It wasn't, I mean, people, 
people look at it now. People that didn't, you know, jump on when you jumped on this thing, they look at it now and they see all the places that I'm going, travel all the world, you know, with guys with Ed, like Ed Milet, Dabo Sweeney, John Gordon. And they're like, man, that, that's great. But there's no such thing as an overnight success. You know that, John. I mean, you want to you wanna be good at anything you do. It takes a lot of hard work. When I first got out of prison, there were no places for me to go speak. I mean, you can't just go knock on the door of a school and say, hey, I just got out of prison. I want to talk to your kids. Man, they'll lock you back up. But I found people to believe in me. And this is one of the big things that has to happen in life. Belief. Growth follows belief. And you have to believe in yourself for first before other people will believe in you. But once you have that belief of other people, then you can start forming relationships. And relationships are the key to life. They're the glue to life because everything is about the relationships that you create in this life. And, um, you know, it's been a it's been an interesting journey in, in the seven and a half years. We're recording this at about the seven and a half year mark since I walked out of prison. Uh, you've been around for about five of that to see the whole process go on, John. But that coffee me message is strong, man. It's one of the best messages out there, especially after the pandemic, man, because the world became a pot of boiling water. Okay, I have I have a statement and I have a question. Number one, the year you did the uh, Power of Positive Summit with John Gordon. I took my football team up to the classroom. We had started a mentoring uh, program because my thought was a lot of our kids didn't have dads in the home. So I wanted to create a mentoring program where we matched up a, a football player with a male in the community to help add one positive male role model. Well, the day we went the team, we took the team up to the uh, classroom and watched that 14 minute. I think it's 14 minutes and 24 seconds long. Okay or something like that. And man, it struck me in such a way because John Perry is, was so close to being Damon West. You know, like I saw so many similarities in, man, I had great parents. I had great parents that brought me up. I played football. Like I did. And then I, I went off to school and I got to messing around with groups and things that I shouldn't have. And by the grace of God, I didn't end up down the same path as you exactly, but it could have happened. So like my mission changed sure. from my mission changed from helping kids that didn't have dads to man, that's bull. We need to help all young people because it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, like issues, problems, drugs, alcohol, none of that is discriminatory based on whether you have a mom or dad, you know, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're white or black, whether you're, it doesn't matter, you know, and you, taught me that that day. So then I reached out on Twitter and said, what would it cost me to get you to come to Pearl? So at the end of our year, at the end of our mentoring program, you were the speaker and it was phenomenal. Like it was, you transformed that community in a matter of a couple of hours, which is awesome. You know, um, this is my question, you know, like, and, and, and I'm being sincere. Life is tough, you know, like, you're sitting there and I know there's no way every day you wake up, it's um sunshine and rainbows. Okay. Like there are going to be days that are not good on the days that are not good. When challenges hit, when adversity comes, when it's, you know, wife, kids, parents, in-laws, coworkers, you know, like how do you continue to practice the coffee bean behavior in the bad times? Yeah, that's a great question. And here's the 
I'm going to give you a, two, a couple of different points on this. The first point I'm going to give you to answer your question is I always have to remember perspective and then be able to apply that perspective. And the perspective I'm talking about here is perspective of what a bad day looks like. All right. I've got to remind myself, because look, there are days that, that, that are tough. It, it, I don't just wake up with a smile on my face and say, hey, I'm I'm a coffee bean every day. Days when adversity hits, and it happens often, it happens all the time, actually. But I rem- I, I got to step back, because sometimes fear sets in. When it's a little bit of adversity hits, sometimes fear, I start thinking about things that haven't happened yet. It's like John Gordon. John Gordon says, fear and faith have more in common than the letter F to begin with. John says fear and faith both believe in futures that haven't happened yet. Fear is a negative future. You can choose to believe that if you want, but faith is a positive future, which you can also choose to believe in. And John's always saying choose faith over fear. And this is one of the things that applying perspective in life allows you to do. It allows you to step back from the thing that's going on and separate the fear from it, because that's remember that this hasn't even happened yet. I'm playing scenarios out sometimes in my head, John, of, of things that haven't happened. I've gone down an alternate reality. I'm sure a lot of people can re- relate to this. You start thinking about the what ifs in a bad way. Then I step back and I remind myself, hey, Damon, guess what? You didn't wake up in a maximum security level five prison today. When you woke up this morning, your feet didn't hit the cold concrete floor of the prison cell. Your feet hit your bedroom right now that you're living in with your family, or it hit the hotel floor where you're good, getting ready to go speak somewhere today. You know, most of our days that we think are bad days are not one of those kind of bad days. And look, my my perspective of what a really bad day looks like is prison. But there's a lot of different ways to be in prison. And everybody has perspective of what a bad day looks like. A bad day, John. A bad day is when a, a marriage fails. A bad day is when a job is lost. A career is over. A bankruptcy happens. Something happens to your child, you know. Custody hearings, these kind of things. Those are bad days, man. Most of our days aren't one of those days, but we just have to be able to separate ourselves out from what's going on in the moment, pull ourselves back and and distinguish what's fear and what's danger in our lives. And and most of our bad days aren't one of those bad days. So that's one of the things I have to do. I have to really apply perspective of what a bad day looks like. And the other thing, John, is I've got to always live in gratitude, man. I got to, man, I've got to do that because, you know, you can't, you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. That's another thing John likes to say. You can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. And it's true because, you know, John, if you can focus on the good things you have in life, the, the gratitude for those things, then you can get you can get back on track. Dirty caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. And, And a lot of times in life, John, it's like, you know, we live our lives. It's like a tightrope wall, a tightrope walker. You know, those guys that get up on the tight ropes and they walk around up there. They're several hundred feet. There's no safety net below them. But those those men and women that do that, they're facing forward. They're not looking down. And in life, as long as we keep facing forward and don't look down at what's below us, things are going to be okay. And and it's when you look down, sometimes you're like, man, I'm really, I'm up here. I got a lot of responsibilities down there. Things look a little bit scary. 
just keep facing forward, have faith in the plan, apply that perspective. And look, you know, when things get really tough, work harder, work harder when they get really tough. That's a man. That's one of the things that, like I'm going back and I'm going to just going to work harder that rookie mindset. I like it. I'm writing my notes down so I can get better today. Right. All right. This that's is it. my next question. Um, there's been a lot of people that have went down the path you went down. You know, there's been a lot of people that have gotten into bad things. And there's been a lot of people that's went into, went to prison, went to jail, you know, why you like, why, why, why have you been able to this point to conquer that and turn it into such a positive message when there are a lot that do not like, why you? So several answers to this. First of all, I had a lot of help getting where I am, and that came from my family. Man, I had a family, John, that did not give up on me. And when I went to prison, I got sent to a prison that was about 10 miles from where I grew up. The house, the house I grew up in is about 10 miles away from the prison I went into. So my parents were there locally, they, and they came to see me. They flexed that, man. They came to see me over 150 times while I was locked up. I mean, John, over 150 visits, man. This is like you know, wardens and captains and, and volunteers that were up at the prison, they pulled me aside. They're like, man, I've never seen a family hold on to somebody like that inside the prison system. Because if, if a guy in, that's in prison for five years gets five visits, let's say he gets a visit every Christmas, he's one of the wealthiest guys in prison because he has a family that loves him enough to come see him once a year. Man, I got visits at least once a month, you know, sometimes multiple times in a month. Um, so I had a lot of help and a lot of God and love. There was always a lot of love in my life. No matter where I was in life, my parents loved me unconditionally. It's like the first phone call I had when I was in county jail back to my parents. And my mom is telling me, Damon, we love you unconditionally. She said, there's nothing you could do to make us not love you. She said, that was the deal we made with God when he loaned you to us. And that's also when she told me, we just gave you back to God because we can't get through to you in that jail. But so I had a lot of help along the way, but I also had this, this drive, John, I had, whenever I was in prison, I was determined to become the best version of myself possible. My first cellmate in prison, a little guy named Carlos, man, Carlos was telling me, he said, you have to change your mindset. I was moping around the first couple of months. I had to fight and battle. And, and I was, I was pulling Carlos aside. I'm like, Carlos, how do I do this, man? How do I become a coffee bean in here? And he said, you're the path to being a coffee bean is right through your head. Because he said, your problem is right now you have stinking thinking. He said, your thinking's awful. He said, your thinking is so important because your thoughts control your actions, you know? And if you don't have the right thoughts, you're going to have the wrong actions all the time. And he said, you're, you have a, an opportunity right now. He said, you have to look at prison as an opportunity, not as a punishment. He said, anytime you're in adversity, you have to look at it. What's the opportunity in there for me? And he said, this prison sentence right now, he said, you have... 24 hours a day, seven days a week to become the best version of yourself possible to become that coffee bean. And, you know, I thought to myself, man, of all the people I could have been placed with in the cell, God put this guy in the cell with me, a guy that refused to call prison a punishment, and a guy that motivated me every single day to work on myself and become the best version of me. So the other part of that question is, you know, God didn't just reach his hand down and heal me one day. But what God did do in my life is he put people in my life. And I believe that he does this with everybody. You know, when I was younger, these people were like my mom and my dad, the ones I told you about first. They were coaches. 
They were teachers, man. These are the, the, the people, like, whenever you're in the lives of the kids and you're trying to find mentors for them, a coach that did that for these kids. And I had an influence in my life. But as I got older in life, I went down different paths in life, some good and some bad, because of the choices I made. This is the accountability part. I made every choice in life. There were always people there waiting to guide me. And some of these people, they didn't look like me, John. Uh, one of them was a black Muslim man in Dallas County Jail. Another one was a little Hispanic bank robber serving life in my cell. Proof, though, that God can use any messenger to get through to you. But you better be receptive to all of those messengers if you want to get all of those messages. And so I had to become a receptive person to the messages in front of me, the messengers in front of me inside that environment. So I learned a lot of patience, a lot of love, a lot of tolerance inside that place. I tell people all the time, I grew more spiritually and physically and mentally inside that prison in seven years and three months than I did the first 32 years that I was on this earth. I mean, I went into a cocoon, basically. I said, you know what, that dungeon that I'm going to go into is going to be my cocoon, and I'm going to come out something better on the other end. Dabo Swinney, one of my best friends in the world, one of my closest friends in the world, he told me a story. He said one day he was jogging the bleachers in Death Valley, the stadium where Clemson plays, and he gets up to the top, and in the bleachers, there's a plant growing out of one of the pieces of concrete up there. You know, a little a little flower growing up there. Now, and he said, Damon, how did that flower, how did that plant grow in that concrete several hundred feet up in the air in Death Valley? And he said, the answer is because you can bloom where you're planted. You got to always remember that you can bloom where you're planted, John. So, I mean, no matter what the adversity is in life, that can become the best fertilizer for you to become the best version of yourself. And the last thing, the last answer to that question, John, I put in the work. I took action. These are the things that we all have to do in our life. No one can put in your work for you. No one can do that for you. You have to put in your own work in life. No one's going to come wake you up. No one's going to come save you. You have to take action in your own life. You have to you have to pull yourself up and say, you know what? I'm going to be committed to doing this. This is going to be a, a lifestyle for me. And once you take action, you've got to make it consistent. Consistency beats consistency, John. That beats talent any day of the week, man. A consistent routine done day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, beats all the talent in the world. A couple of thoughts. Number one, you know, I know I know a lot of people have read the Coffee Bean book. I mean, I would guess that's the one that has sold more copies than any other book. Um, yeah, but yeah. Th there's a problem with that, okay? The problem is if they have not read The Change Agent, they are missing out big time. The Change Agent is the story of the whole of the life. And I'll be honest with you, as my my wife is sitting over my shoulder over here because she is a Damon West fan. She read The Change Agent. I'm talking about devoured it, you know, like it was it was <laughs> so great. And like, you know what, what people don't like, I didn't I didn't understand what prison was like, you know, like my only my only influences as to my thought of prison or what I see on TV, you know? So like your accounts, man, it was mind boggling as to what all you had to go through, what all goes on inside a prison. Like, man, I'm telling you the, the fan, the, the fan motor, you know, like in the shower, man, I'm gonna tell you, like, it just, it really is fantastic. So if somebody hasn't Picked up that book, man. You need to order that book right now. Number two, man, your mom, to me, stood out. Like, one of the things I struggle with as a parent is tough love. Like, I want to, I'm I'm that clear the path, 
let's make everything better. You know, and I I don't know your you know what she was come, but when she was in that courtroom and she said, you know, you go get this figured out or don't come back. You know, like, and I've asked you this, and you said she meant that, like that was she was sincere. You know, and I think that her influence had to be tremendous. You know, maybe only second to the good Lord because I don't know how you, I don't know how you come out of that without the help of God, you know, and I know any time in my life when things get really, really, really tough, that's the first place I go, you know, which is very helpful, but having the family you had was tremendous. Okay. You may not remember this, but I would like for you to share this. If you do remember this, I asked you one time, I think we were in a vehicle and I said, have you ever had, you know, does it, does it ever cross your mind or is it tough you know, to say no and stay away from the things that could take you back down that path. And you you shared a story of uh, a social event, I think, that you might have attended with your wife. Oh, yeah. You, you talked about playing the tape out. And that's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Playing the tape out is beneficial to all of us. And I've used that with my kids, with my players. You know, could you tell the story around play the tape out absolutely so i was uh so i'm i'm an addict i mean i'm an addict in a long-term program recovery when i say i'm an addict it means that hey look i've i've got this alcohol and drug addiction thing that's plagued me most of my life and today i have a program recovery i go to aa I, that's i got into aa when i was in prison and i go to my meetings now i hear the world i got a sponsor i work the steps and a program recovery allows me to live a normal life with this disease of addiction. And look, for the most part, addicts aren't bad people. They're sick people that do bad things. And everybody in everybody in this country, you are impacted by addiction one way or another. Whether you're the addict, you're the family member of an addict, you're the friend of an addict, you're the victim of an addict, because addicts create a lot of victims, or you're just a taxpayer. You're paying into an overburdened criminal justice system that has no idea how to handle the disease of addiction. Addiction affects every person in this country, and it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care. You mentioned this earlier, man. Young, old, male, female, white, black, addiction doesn't care who you are or where you come from. When it's got you, it's got you. So it's got me. I'm an addict. I get that. So I have a program recovery called AA. And so when I got out of prison, uh, I went to an AA meeting my first day out, and I found the guy that used to come in to volunteer into the prison because I live in the same area, Beaumont, Texas, of where I went to prison. So I live in that area. I found the home group where this guy, we'll call him Ray to protect his anonymity. Ray was the guy that used to bring the meeting into the prison. So the first day out of prison, I go to my first AA meeting, and it's at, a, it's at Ray's home group. And I mean, Ray's jaw dropped to the floor. I used to tell Ray when I was in prison, John. I'd see him every Wednesday at our meeting in prison. And I'd say, hey, Ray, when I get out of here one day, I'm going to find your home group and I'm going to come to the, the, those meetings. That's going to be my AA home group. And Ray would kind of laugh it off. I mean, he's bringing an AA meeting to a maximum security prison. He gets lied to more than the police get lied to, you know? So Ray was, but when I walked in that Monday, November 16th, 2015, I just got out of prison that afternoon. I walk in that Monday evening. And Ray's jaw dropped. He said, man, you made it. I said, yeah, Ray, I, I did. And I said, I need a sponsor because I don't want to go back. And I know that I have to have a program recovery if I'm going to stay sober and on this journey. And I'm on parole, John, to the year 2073. That means I can't make a mistake for the rest of my life, you know. 
And Ray said this. He said, Damon, I'll be your sponsor as long as you're willing to do two things. Two things is, is, is required. What are they, Ray? He said that you'll go to any lengths to stay sober. And he said, this, what this means is that, it, you know, you do what I say in this program recovery as your sponsor. Okay, I can do that, Ray. He said, the other thing is that if you ever have a thought of drinking or doing drugs, you call me first. Before you put in, you call me. So cool. So the first thing happened actually within a, a month after I was out of prison. Remember I told you I, I wanted to go out and share my story when I first got out, but nobody was letting me come share my story. I just got out of prison, man. I had to find, eventually find a cop and a judge that would sponsor me and take me into schools. But Ray walks into a sponsor meeting one day with me, about a month out of prison. He walks in, he says, hey, Damon. He said, you're about to go back to prison. I just wanted you to know. And that got my attention. I'm like, dude. I'm not trying to go back to prison. What are you talking about? He said, well, he said, your problem is you're not working a program recovery. I'm like, well, Ray, I'm going to my meetings. I'm at this meeting right here this, to have a sponsor meeting. He said, you're not working a program recovery because you're stuck inside yourself. He said, no person in the world has ever worked a program recovery if they're selfish. And he said, right now you're selfish. You're inside yourself. You got to become more selfless if you want to stay sober and be in recovery. And uh, I said, well, Ray, I'm trying to, man, I'm trying to be selfless. He said, I, you know, but I told him, I said, no one wants me. I'm an ex-con. What am I supposed to do? He said, now you're really in trouble because now self-pity is creeping in. He said, when I see self-pity, I know that someone's getting ready to go out and get high again. He said, so you're really about to go back to prison now. And I'm like, Ray, what do you want me to do, man? I said, I'm an ex-con. I said, there's every door's close to my face. He said, not every door. He said, you're just knocking on the wrong doors right now. He said, you need to find a service work project. He said, what I want you to do, he said, I want you to go to a senior citizen's home around this area somewhere. He said, go to the front desk, ask them for a list of people who'd never get visitors. He said, they're going to give you a list a mile long of people that have been forgotten about by their families, and they live in these institutions lonely. He said, you know what it's like to live in an institution. Spend your weekend this weekend visiting with old people that never get a visitor and come back and tell me about your problems in life. And so I, I promised him, John, I'd do, go to any least stay sober. So I did it, John. And I mean, I went and spent a weekend with, with, man, some of these people I went and visited with, they hadn't had a visitor in eight years, in 10 years. No one to sit and listen to you for a decade. Imagine the kind of jail that is, the kind of prison you live in when no one will even listen to you and have conversation. So I, that became my service work, man. Before I started speaking in schools, I was going into senior citizen centers and volunteering my weekends, just listening to people, playing dominoes with some of these people, man, being an ear to listen because serving comes in many different forms. So that was the first thing. Now, remember the other thing he said I had to do is that if I was ever had a thought of drinking or doing drugs, I'd call him first. That happened 13 months after prison. I'm at a Christmas party with my friend and his wife. My friend's wife, is drinking a glass of wine. And man, this this glass of wine smells good, John. I can smell the grapes in this thing. I can tell you that that Merlot was going to go down just fine. And I was ready to have a glass of that wine. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm going to get a glass of that wine. And I'm looking around for the bottle and I'm like, whoa, wait a second. What's going on? Why am I thinking about having a glass of wine? Because I know that a glass of wine, man, I can't do that. I'm an addict, right? So I told my friend and his wife, I said, man, I got to go. I take off, I leave the party immediately. I get, I get into my car and I call Ray from my car. And I'm like, Ray, something terrible just happened, man. And so I told him the story about what happened at the party. And he started laughing at me, John. I'm like, Ray, what are you why are you laughing at me, man? This is serious. I almost just had a glass of wine. He said, Damon, 
you're an addict and alcoholic. You're going to have these thoughts for the rest of your life. He said, the reason why you're going to have these thoughts, he said, first of all, because you're an addict, he said, you need to understand how the mind works. He said, the brain likes to repeat success. The brain always wants to repeat success. He said, it's called euphoric recall. Euphoric recall is where your brain, it's a defense mechanism. Your brain has to forget bad times and remember only the good times. And he said, while you were out there drinking and drugging, did you ever have some good times? He said, I sure did. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I did have some good times. You know, most of them were bad and miser misery came shortly thereafter. But yeah, there were some good times out there drinking and drugging. He said, yeah. He said, it's kind of like, you know, you have an ex-girlfriend that you broke up with. Things got bad enough, you broke it off. But six months later, you're going through your phone and you're thinking about calling her one night. You know, it's not because it, it wasn't a bad time. Your brain forgot about the bad times and just remembers the good times. He said, so now you got this euphoric recall thing going on. You've been out of prison long enough. That you don't remember how bad it was and all the bad times. That they're not the first memories that come up. He said, so what we have to do with the mind of an addict, he said, we have to get the thought out of your head. This is addiction 101, John. He said, addicts have a three-part thought process. This is what works. This is how addicts' mind works. Addicts have a thought. Let's say it's to drink. That thought becomes an obsession. The addict will think about that and obsess about it until eventually it becomes physical. They put in thought, obsession, and physical. Thought, obsession, and physical. This is the mind of an addict. Whether you're the addict of drugs or alcohol, food, money, clothing, shopping, sex, the internet, Instagram, social media, thought, obsession, physical. You put in. He said, so what we have to do he said, the good news is, is that we can get the thought out of your head. He said, what we have to do is we have to talk about it with other people. That's why I had you call me, because if you talk about that thought, you get it out of your head before it becomes an obsession. He said, so you have a program recovery. Use your first tool, which is to call somebody. Congratulations. The next tool we're going to use is called playing the tape out all the way to the end. He said, now, I want you to imagine you're back at that party, and I want you to have that glass of wine. He said, are you drinking the wine? I said, all right, I'm drinking the wine. He said, good. Now that you're drinking the wine, let's drink what we really want to drink. What was your drink in the world? What did you drink? Were you a wine drinker? And I was like, no, I was a bourbon drinker. I love, John, I love bourbon, man. I love, I could drink bourbon with the best of them. He said, good. He said, well, drink bourbon because you don't really want to drink wine. You really want to drink bourbon. So drink bourbon. He said, now that we're drinking bourbon, what kind of drugs are we going to do? Now, John, you got to remember, this is two drug addicts and alcoholics talking to each other, man. This is going to sound kind of crazy. But he said, what drugs are we going to do now that we're drinking bourbon? And I'm like, well, cocaine, because cocaine and bourbon go together so well. He goes, yes, they do. He says, so snort some cocaine. Now as you're drinking your bourbon, I remember your story. You said your drug, it wasn't cocaine that did you. And what was that drug that did you in? And I was like, meth. He said, that's right. It was meth. You, you said your drug of choice is meth. He said, now smoke meth, because that's what the wine the bourbon and the cocaine was telling in the first place, you really want to do meth right now, Damon. You're not trying to drink a glass of wine. You want meth. Smoke your meth. He said, you smoking it? And I said, all right, I'm smoking it. He said, all right. He said, tell me how parole is going for you right now. And I'm like, man, I didn't even think about parole. I'm like, I'm like Ray, I wasn't even thinking about that. He goes, well, you're an addict. Addicts don't think about that. We don't think about our kids. We don't think about our families, our jobs, the, the people around us. He said, we give it all away. He said, because that's what addicts do. Addicts give things away. Addicts give up their goals to meet their behaviors. Addicts give up goals to meet behaviors. Focus people. 
driven people, successful people. They give up behaviors to meet goals. He said, but you're an addict. He said, now, he said, what did parole tell you would happen if you messed up? I said, well, man, look, man, parole told me that if I ever mess up again, I don't get a third chance in life. I go back to prison. I got to finish this entire sentence out. He said, so where are you now? I said, I'm on that prison bus, right? I'm chained up to another human being and I'm going back to finish this life sentence. I've destroyed my life and my family's life again. He said, yes, you have. He said, now listen, man. He said, those prison bus rides, you're going to be starving by the time you get back to your prison. Because those, those bus rides are long, John. They take you all throughout the state of Texas. You pick up people at different prisons. They're about 10-hour bus rides throughout the state of Texas. No air conditioner. He said, man, when you get to that prison, he said, go to your cell, put your bags down, put your mattress down, and get down to the chow hall and get that last meal of the day. He said, what was the worst meal they ever served you in prison? And I'm like, man, pork noodle casserole. John, I don't even know what's in pork noodle casserole. Actually, I do know one time I was eating in the chow hall when I was in prison. I stick my spoon in and my spoon comes up with a pig ear, a giant pig ear, hairy pig ear with a yellow tag in it, man. That is pork noodle casserole. So he said, he said, well, Damon, get down to the chow hall, get you a big bowl of that pork noodle casserole. Sit down at that metal table in that unair-conditioned chow hall and eat that bowl of pork noodle casserole and wash it down with that glass of wine you want to have tonight because that's where the glass of wine is going to take you, back to the chow hall eating pork noodle casserole. And I'm like, wow. He said, you got it? I said, yeah. Yeah, I get it, man. I, I, I can understand that. He said, good. He said, Damon, go back to the party. Have a good time with your friends. And if you need me again, call me. And he hung up on me. I went back to the party, John. I had a great I never thought about that glass of wine again. But I was able to play the tape out all the way to the end. And that's not just for addicts. We all need the, the ability to play the tape out. What does my decision look like a little further down the road? What does it look like a year from now? What does it look like three years from now? What does this one decision mean? Man, that is awesome. And I have thought about that play the tape out, you know, since you shared that story. I've shared that story with other people just because I feel like, Life is a challenge. It's not meant to be spent alone. And the fact that, you know, the thing about AA with the sponsors, man, like AA's got a, they got it figured out. Like they do have, you know, kind of this thing, like they can help you, you know, like if you want to get help, you know, and that having a sponsor and that having the ability to play it out and before you have to actually go through it, you know, is I've told that a thousand times. All right. Respectful for your time. So I'm going to like maybe ask one more question. My my 1% this week was about, you know, clustering, like the social contagion, like birds of a feather flock together. You know, like if you want to be happy, find somebody happy. If you want to be negative, find somebody negative. If you want to smoke weed, go hang out with folks that smoke weed. If you want to go to church, go hang out with church going folks. Like if my football team was listening to this, what would you tell them about the circles of the people they choose to run with? Because my guess is, your circle of people are different today than they were 15 years ago or, you know, what have you, what would you, what's your answer when it says, you know, who, who should I surround myself with? Does it even matter? Oh, it does matter because if you show me who you hang out with, I can tell you who you are just by the company you keep, John. And that's what I would tell, you know, these young football players that listen to this, anybody listen to this, that, you need to surround yourself with people who push you to become the best version of you. And whatever that is, that's up to you. That's all, 
up to you. What version of you do you want to be and hang out with those kind of people? And and look, you, know, you, you hit the nail on the head. My, my circle of influence now is way different than it was back when I, you know, got myself into, in, into this in the first place. Even before I started smoking meth, you know, my circle of influence, I was around a bunch of other people that wanted to have a good time. They wanted to drink. They didn't have their goals laid out in life. And man, that's where I was, you know. I remember one day whenever I was in the meth world, probably this is back about 2006, and uh, one of the things that was pretty frequent with people in, in, in the drug world is you go through a lot of different phones and phone numbers. And that's a big red flag when somebody goes through a bunch of different phone numbers, man, because your your phone number is like your address for life, right? But I'm, I'm scrolling through my little phone, and uh, I don't know what version of phone I'm on now or what number I'm on, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm looking through the, the contact list in my phone. And, man, all there are is a bunch of other dope fiends like me, bunch of dope dealers, bunch of people I can fence off stolen stuff to, bunch of criminals, John. I, my phone is full of all different elements of criminals from the underworld. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I once had a phone. The contact list had, had you know, senators, congressmen, bankers, lawyers, chiefs of staff for presidents. I mean, that's what my phone, my family was in there. Family friends were in there. There weren't any family friends inside my phone. There weren't any positive influences in my life inside of this phone. Go through your contact list. Look at the people you call the most, the people you text the most, and that's your circle around you. And ask yourself, one, do I serve them well? And two, are they serving me well? And, and the ones that don't, Get yourself away from them, man, because all they're going to do is take you down. And that's what it, that's what you see on social media so much, man. People can hide behind their keyboards and people want to bring you down to a different level. You can't do that. You can't you can't allow people to bring you down to a level below where you're supposed to be. It's like that. What's that boxing phrase? Don't punch. Don't punch low. You know. Punch out. So. You got to surround yourself with with people that push you to become the best version of you. And and look, one of the biggest, uh, most important relationships you have is the person that you're with, the person you're married to. You know, that needs to be one of those relations. That needs to be one of those partnerships that that they're there's someone who aspires to something great. They're going to push you to become a better version of you, and you're going to do the same for them. One of the reasons why I work in the twelve steps. You're talking about the twelve steps a while ago. Um, when I got out of prison. Ray, my sponsor, I, you know, look, I've been locked up for a long time, John. And I mean, like, you know, you get out of prison, you're like, hey, you want, you, you know, you want to date, you want to, you want to go out and see, you know, see people, uh, date people. And so Ray told me, he said, you can't, you can't do, you can't do any dating. He said, that's off limits for you. And I, and, and look, I, when he said that, I'm like, what do you mean? Because I've heard different stories. I heard, I've heard some people say, you got to, got to get a plant first. Then you got to get it, you know, take, take care of the plant for a year. Then you get an animal for a year. Then you can start. To, I'm like, Ray, what are you talking about, man? We're we talking about 12 months here. He said, no, I'm talking about the entire 12 steps of this program. He said, because once you work the 12 steps of this program, one, you're going to learn how to keep your side of the street clean. You're going to become a better person. You're going to let go of these fears and resentments that hold you back in life. He said, you're going to become a person worthy of being in a relationship. Because relationships have to have meaning in life now, Damon. None of those you just fun time relationships they have to have meaning. He said, you're going to become a person worthy of being in a relationship with after you work these 12 steps. But more importantly, you're going to have the ability to run anybody else that you want to think is a potential partner or friend or relationship in your life. 
you're going to run them through this matrix of what you just learned and see if they're worthy to be in a relationship with you. And I mean, that always stuck with me, John. And that, that's something that, you know, when I find friends like you and I find people that are going to be my sphere of influence, because you're one of those people in my sphere of influence, man, you're one of those people I can go to anytime and tap into because you've got the same drive, the same ambitions I do in life. I have these four spiritual principles that I learned in the program recovery. And these four spiritual principles, they're a matrix of what I plug every decision into, every person into. Here they are. Unselfish, honest, pure, and loving. Unselfish, honest, pure, and loving. If the choices I want to make, this is every decision I have to go into. I got to plug it in. If the choices I want to make are not unselfish, honest, pure, and loving, then I need to stay away from those choices. Those are bad choices. If the people I'm around do not exhibit those qualities of being unselfish, honest, pure, and loving, then I need to get away from them. Because I'm going to tell you what's on the other side of unselfish, honest, pure, and loving. What's, what's on the opposite side? Selfish, self-seeking, self-want, self-desire, self-delusion. Self-delusion, man. That's what people believe their own crap. And we've all been there before, man. In my brain, half of my brain, John, I'm going to tell you what half of my brain is. It's a manure factory. It just cranks out manure. And the other half of my brain is a place that buys manure. It's ready to buy that, that, that crap, right? So I got one half of my brain that could crank out the manure. The other half of my brain wants to buy that manure. And so that's that self, that, that's that, that ego, that pride that can talk to you, man. You got to turn that stuff off, man. That's that manure inside your brain. And we all have it. You just can't buy it. Once that one side of the brain cranks it out, just don't buy it. But unselfish, honest, pure, and loving, John. Those are the four spiritual principles I got to pl plug every person and every decision into. And if you don't fit into that, you're not in my world, John. That's awesome. Let me say this for the people that, that are listening. You know, like if you have not brought Damon West to your town, I'm going to give you a Damon West 101, bring him to town option, okay? This is, this is very easy. Go out there and find you the biggest businesses in town, sell you a, a sponsorship to an event, bring him to town, let him speak to those people in a private banquet, and then let him speak to your student body the next day. I promise you, you can bring him to your town. You will not regret it. It's one of the best things that I have done. As soon as I got to Nixa, Missouri, I brought him up to Nixa. He may never come back to another school because he spoke to every single school in our district. We are a large school, so we completely wore that joker out, but you can bring him to town. If you need help, um, reach out to me, man. I'll help you uh, bring him to town. I know one of my good friends. I go visit him um, several weeks ago, Chris Yeager in Mountain Brook. I walk in, I sit down at his desk, and we start talking whatever we're talking, and there is a, a small little container of coffee beans sitting on his desk, you know, and he was so excited about the message that you shared, how receptive it was at his school and at his community. And I still have, if you go out to my Ford Explorer right now on my dashboard, there is a container with coffee beans, you know, like I, I want, and I have a container sitting at my desk at home. Like I want to remember, I want to, I want to put those thoughts into my head. And so if you have not brought Damon to your town and I know, um, he can't go everywhere all the time, but it would be worth it um, for you personally, for your school, for your business, 
like it's outstanding. I would order any of the books that he's written. I've sit here. I had planned the uh, How to Be a Coffee Bean, right? Come out with, I don't know how many ways it was. It was a bunch of ways. And I absolutely love it. I had went through and um, folded down five pages of five that I wanted to talk about. But if you have not bought the How to Be a Coffee Bean, it's a list of hundreds of ways to do that, man. It's phenomenal. Um, any of his books. And I've actually read them all, obviously. Um, but I would also push The Change Agent, the one that I guess you wrote that one first. Um, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. If you've not spent time in prison and you're not really sure and your only experience is the tube, I would say buy that. And then I would say get the rest of them. And then I'd say bring them to your town. Thank you very much, man. You have no doubt about it made me a better person. You've given me an opportunity to get better today on this great day that we've been given that the good Lord has blessed us with, Damon. And I appreciate you more than you ever know. I appreciate you being number one. Is there anything you'd like to tell the folks before you jump off? Uh, no, John, I mean, look, man, you, you brighten my day, man. It's just a great way to start the week. This is a Monday when we're recording this, man. I mean, what better? I mean, dude, I, I, I've been looking forward to this all weekend, and, and I really appreciate you, you, you allowing me to be number the first one. Podcast, that's an honor, man. I'll cherish And look, if you want to find me, John said, man, we can make this, we can make this happen. My, my website is damonwest.org. Just look me up, send me an email. John can attest to it. I I respond to everybody, man. I'm I'm still that guy, John, that that sends out messages to people. Some of those messages never come back, but some sometimes they do, man. And that's relationships, John. Everything's about relationships, brother. Well, I appreciate you, and I know we'll have a lot of football coaches listen to this. And you know, if you want to bring your team together, um, bring Damon to town, man. It will be worth any amount of money that you know that it costs you. I, I oftentimes think. You know, how much money would you spend for a for a win? I'd spend a lot of money for a win on Friday night. You know, like if you, you know, could throw out a dollar amount, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go get it right now. We ain't even got to play the game. So, you know, I promise you, you know, Damon can help your team, help your community, help your school. And that's what we're in this business for anyways, to serve other people and to try to make a difference in this world. And Damon is living that out, man. So bring him to town if you can. Thank you so much, Damon. You know, I think a lot of you, I, man, I cherish our – time together and i so am so thankful that you did this today man i hope you have a blessed week and if you ever need anything please don't hesitate i won't i appreciate you john thank you yes sir never stop getting better have a great day <laughs>